You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. I uh, wanted to make a statement this morning. So I thought, how better to make a statement than dressed like a Turkish sultan. I found this shirt in uh, the props I used to use when I, in my dramatic days. But there is a reason for it. I'm still working on it, but there is a reason. No. <laughs> I was reminded um, by <clears throat> John that years ago, I stood up to minister in a... Um, a marquee in Sunderland uh, when we were doing a, um, a mission there. I stood up on a chair. I decided not to do that this morning because I'm a bit concerned. I've got metal hips now, so I don't want to tempt fate, you know. Um, but I remember standing on a chair when I was a much younger person and declaring I was British. And uh, the reason I did that was because I said that visual, people remember visual things. And because they remember visual things, it links them to what's being said. So guess why I'm looking like an idiot this morning? Even more than I usually look is because I'm hoping, don't worry, I am not going to preach with these on, all right? It'll be too much but I'm afraid you're going to have to put up with the shirt, all right? So. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. The yellow book is getting towards the end of its life, I'm afraid. Yeah, John is really pleased about that. And in fact, I thought I'd um, uh, give him a bit of advice this morning. Um, yeah. <laughs> With this little um, snippet, a pastor went visiting one afternoon and he knocked on a door several times, but nobody answered. He could see through the window that the television was on. So... He took one of his cards and he wrote on it, Revelation 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open, I will come in. And he stuck it on the door. The following Sunday, a woman handed him a card with her name on it and the following message. Genesis 3, 20. I heard your voice, and I was naked, so I hid myself. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, we're going to look this morning at um, the truth about God. It is an enormous subject, okay, so we're not going to deal with everything. So forgive me if I miss things out. 
Um, I feel God wants to emphasise a certain area this morning and we're certainly going to do that in the second half of my message. But I do want to talk about God and here's an interesting quote from Dan Brown. Now Dan Brown is one of the top authors in the world today. He was the author of the Da Vinci Code amongst other books. And in another book called Angels and Demons, we read this quote. Whether or not you believe in God, you must believe this. When we as a species abandon our trust in a power greater than us, we abandon our sense of accountability. Faiths, all faiths, are admonitions that there is something that we cannot understand. Something to which we are accountable. With faith, we're accountable to each other, to ourselves and to a higher truth. Religion is flawed, but only because man is flawed. The church consists of a brotherhood of the imperfect, simple souls wanting to be a voice of compassion in a world spinning out of control. I, I thought that was an amazing statement, which is why I've just read it to you this morning. Um, I don't know what Dan Brown's, um, uh, where he stands with God, but I did think it was a really interesting quote. The whole subject of God... And, and here is the challenge this morning. Each one of us will have our own ideas about God. And to an extent, and I'm guilty of this, we, we can put God in what I call a box. Okay? So we, all of us, I think, at some point in our lives can limit God. But you can't put God in a box, friends. Because it, 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 it's not who God is. God is way outside the box. Here's, I wasn't going to say this, but I work in a hospital, as you know, and I pick up things in my job. I'm not a medical genius by any stretch of the imagination. Please don't think I am. But I do pick up facts. The, the fact of the way the human blood works is incredible, friends. Do you realise what your body is doing right now is amazing? It's got an immune system to it. Some are better than others. But it has... The human body is an absolute incredible piece of engineering. Here's some more facts for you. The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. If it was any nearer, we would burn up. If it was any further away, we would freeze. How about this one? The tilt of the earth in its orbit is 23 and a half degrees. If it was any different... 
we wouldn't have any seasons. There would be places that would be continually hot and places that are continually cold. The atmosphere is made up mostly of inert gases such as nitrogen and oxygen. And that enables life as we know it to exist. They are still sending out probes, sending out things to all sorts of planets, trying to get some amazing footage, and there is some amazing footage out there. But as far as I'm aware, friends, I haven't found life. Life exists on Earth only, as we know it. Now, if you want to expand your thinking, maybe God has created other universes. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not. If we look at our world, I, I've been very, very blessed that I've travelled to some amazing places. I remember when I was in Africa, standing above the Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. Now, if you've ever seen it on the television or in a documentary or a film, the Victoria Falls are absolutely astonishing. There's continual rainbows going through where, where the sun meets the water and, and it cascades down hundreds and hundreds of feet. It is an amazing feat of nature. The mountains, I've, I've had the privilege of crossing over the Rockies in Canada in a, in a car and being confronted with a grizzly bear. And it wasn't a reflection in the mirror, I should add. Um, and, and it's just fantastic. The Fraser Canyon in West Canada is astonishingly beautiful. And I'm sure as you're sitting there, you can think of amazing places maybe you've had the privilege of visiting. So what does the Bible say about God? Well, I've listed ten things for us to just briefly think about. John 4, John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 24, says that God is a spirit. So that means that God does not have any gender. I asked the guys, I was thinking about this, and I asked a couple of guys at work what their idea of God was, and guess what I got? Old man in the clouds, sitting on a throne. God is a spirit. So he doesn't have any agenda. He has no gender. The second thing is God is eternal. Psalm 90 verse 2 said, From everlasting to everlasting. Talking about the creation, talking about the mountains, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The third thing is he's unchangeable. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the God, I do not change. 
Lots of things change. I, just a slight aside, I, my dad has been, he's been in heaven now for over 30 years. He was at the forefront of technology. And um, I often think what he would, <laughs> he would make of where we've come in the 30 years since he's been, you know, he's been gone. It's incredible. God does not change. The fourth thing is God is one. He's not multiple. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 tells us that love the Lord your God with all your heart. Let me read you this beginning of this one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, I can hear some of you thinking about the Trinity. I'll come to that in a second. I'll make a brief statement about that. But we're not talking about multiple gods this morning. Fifth thing is, God is omnipresent. That means, big word, but he's everywhere. In Psalm and 39, that wonderful psalm, it talks about if I go to the depths, you are there. If I go to the heavens, you are there. God, friends, is everywhere. The sixth thing is, he's omniscient. In 1 John... 3 verse 20, it says that God knows all things. That's quite scary, isn't it? Sometimes God knows all things. He's omnipotent. Matthew 19, 26 tells us, with man, there are things that are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. I've mentioned briefly about the creation and I've mentioned here that God is the creator He's designed the whole thing, friends. In the beginning, God created. God said, let there be. Number nine... It's God is a judge. It tells us that it's going to come a time in 2 Timothy 4.1 where Jesus Christ and God themselves will be judging people. And finally, <clears throat> 1 John 4 verse 8 tells us that God is love. And uh, that's 
what I want to emphasise this morning and talk about a bit. But I do want to very briefly mention the Trinity. The Trinity, friends, is a mystery. It, <laughs> but God is made up of three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And <laughs> it's more than one sermon on itself. <laughs> we would be here for a long, long time. But I, I do want to emphasise two points. One is we've just celebrated Christmas... And how many carols and different things have we sung where it talks about Emmanuel, which of course we all know means God with us. I, I just think it's incredible, friends, that God became a human being. Became a human being. Amazing. And the other point I want to mention is this, that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it talks about the first time that there is a mention of the Trinity is when God says, let us make man in our own image. Now before that, and I've double-checked, treble-tricked, quadruple-checked, but before that, all you get is God said, God said, God said. But when it came to making man friends, it was let us. Let us make man in our own image. So I, I do want to emphasise that God is love. And we'll see where we go with this this morning. There are, it's interesting, there are four word, Greek words that are used in translation in the New Testament. Oh, I, I knew of three, but there's a fourth one, so I'm not an expert on Greek. I like the food. Well, that's about it. Um, the first is... Stergo, which it talks about a love between parents and children. The second is filio, which is love between friends. The third is eros, which is obviously sexual love. And then fourthly, we have agape, which is unconditional love. I was thinking about unconditional love. And one or two of you will know this. Maybe a lot of you don't. But before I moved down to Brixham some 15 years ago, um, I had a dog. His name was George. And he was a boxer. 
red boxer. And George showed me the most unconditional love I've ever experienced. Sounds weird, doesn't it? But as a dog, he was amazing. I could tell him off. He didn't like it, obviously. I remember, I remember one time I locked him, uh, I made a mistake, locked him in a room and there was, yeah, I know, I know. I had a reason for it. I can't remember what it was now, but there you go. And there were some chocolates in the room. Uh, a whole massive tin of Cabbage Roses. And um, when I got home, um, there were, I thought, sure, I'm very meticulous. I don't leave rubbish lying around. And I saw sweet papers all over the place. And I thought, what, what's going on here? And George always used to rush to meet me when I came in, thrilled to see me. Uh, it was one of the things I really enjoyed. And, um, and he wasn't... And when I looked in the room with all these sweet papers scattered around everywhere, there was George cowering in the corner. Uh, he knew he was going to get told off big time. But the next day, woke up, wanted his walk, wanted his food, wanted all those wonderful things that dogs like. And he, for well, I had him for eight years. For eight years, he was my best. I know it sounds really, some of you are going to think this is terrible. But he was my best friend. He really was. I loved him to bits. And unfortunately, before I moved down here, I had to take him to the vets and have him put down because he'd become very old and he'd lost some of his faculties. And um, I was absolutely heartbroken, friends. I really was. Um, and I still, when I see boxers, when I go out um, and I see boxers, still tugs at my heart string when I think of George. Because he showed me such love. And it was unconditional love. But the love that I want to talk to you about this morning is far, far superior to that. And that is God's love. It's interesting, I'm going to turn to it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 30, refers back to the verse in Deuteronomy. In fact, let's just read from verse 28. It said, One of the teachers of the law came and heard the debate. In notes, in Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, said Jesus, is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Firstly, we need, friends, to recognize our need to worship God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Why? Because in John 3.16, which we all know so well, it tells us that God so loved this world, he gave part of himself, gave his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe you've never experienced God's love this morning. But I want to tell you this amazing God who holds the universe in his hands and knows the very hairs on our head. Friends, he loves you and he loves me. And he cares about every aspect of your life. Secondly, I want to talk about our own self-image. It says there that we are commanded to love one another, love your neighbour. As yourself. The problem is with that, friends, that if our own self image is damaged, we have a problem. Do we not? If we're not loving ourselves, if we don't like the way we are, and we live in a world, friends, where self-image has been damaged greatly. I see people in the hospital every single week self-harming. Young, young girls, young boys, people who think there's no way out, they've got damaged image of who they are. Um, many of you will have seen this illustration before, but I, I just think this illustration is so, so good. What is that? Ten pound note. Okay. Who wants it? Oh, yeah, Mr. Barnett, the church treasurer, no surprise there. Okay, so if I fold that in half, actually we'll fold it again. Actually I'll fold it again and again. What's it worth? Still worth £10. So if I really screw it up, you still want it, Dave? Why does Dave still want it? Still worth £10, friends. So if I stamp on it like that, 
makes it all dusty, kick it around. What's it worth? So when we get kicked around in life, when we get hurt, when we feel like the foot's been kicked in on us, does that affect the way we look at ourselves? Shouldn't do. But it does. We go through stuff. We get hurt. And because of that, it affects how we think God views us. I'm absolutely convinced of that. So whether you're in a good place or a bad place, it doesn't matter. Do you know that, Jan? It doesn't matter how you feel. God's love for you is exactly the same as it's always been. I really feel you need to hear that this morning, Jan. It's not about, friends, what we're capable of doing. Circumstances change. So whether we can go around the country ministering or we can't because of circumstances does not mean that God loves us any less. We get kicked around. We get hurt. But does that mean God loves us any less? No, it does not. Our value in God's hands is exactly the same. It's exactly the same, Jan, whether Les is here or not. And I know what your heart says. So hear me. God's passionate love for you is exactly the same. So many people, friends, get kicked around and they lose their value. I, I, I just want to tell you this morning. <laughs> Let's have a look in that mirror and see us as God sees us. Hear the word of truth this morning. God thinks you're wonderful. God loves you. He really does love you in the best place, in the worst place. Let's just talk for a moment about, because it tells us to love others, and what's interesting here is these scriptures I'm giving you are all agape. God's unconditional love. So what we're reading here is about God's unconditional love. Okay, And yet the scripture 
encourages us in John 13 to Jesus says to his disciples, this is the way that people will know who you are because you will love each other. You will love each other with an agape love. That's a tremendous challenge, friends. Tremendous challenge to each and every one of us. And I, I just want to look at the other side of that in the sense that Let's look at the dangers of disunity. And I don't know if you're anything like me, and I never, ever, I try very hard not to make political statements from the front, okay? But this morning I'm going to break that habit. The Conservative Party is in total disarray because they are not united. They are all over the place. In fact, if I was to ask you to name three cabinet ministers, I think some people would struggle with that because they've changed so often. What happened when we had the Brexit vote? Now, I'm not here to talk about what's right, what's wrong, all the rest of it. Hear me out. What I am saying this morning is that that vote showed that this country is split down the middle. Now, I know there was a slight majority in favour of leaving, so I accept that. But it smacks to me of disunity. And now they've got problems because some of them are not sure whether to ask for another referendum. I suspect even if there was another referendum, friends, it would still be split down the middle. And I still think it maybe it would go the other way this time. I don't know. But what I do know is there's not going to be a majority one way or the other. So the disunity is still there. It's a dangerous place. Very dangerous place. We value our unity in this church, do we not? We need to keep valuing it, friends. We need to be looking out for each other. We need friends, and I'm talking to myself here, we need to be building each other up. We need to be giving people the word of God when they need it. Not condemning. Using the agape love that God talks about in his word. It's a tremendous challenge. On, I think it was May the 19th last year, who remembers what happened? Yes. What was significant about the royal wedding? Uh, I'm just going to be open and honest with you. I don't. I'm not someone, friends, who likes to sit in front of the television for hours watching royal weddings. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Okay, I know some people do. I happened 
to make an exception on this occasion. Don't ask me why. I didn't, listen, I didn't have a revelation from God. Mark, you need to watch the royal wedding. But just circumstantially, I watched it. What did I observe? I observed two things I want to say. One, I observed two people very much in love. I thought it was very obvious. The second thing is I listened to a sermon that lasts 13 minutes and caused an awful lot of people to feel uncomfortable. Anyone with me? Bishop Michael Curry, I think his name, preached. He'd been given a 10-minute slot, preached for 13 minutes. But I watched that and I, I had to pinch myself at what I was listening to. By golly, message from God or what? And I was looking, and you, as the camera panned around on certain people, were looking jolly uncomfortable, some of them. But I just, I just thought it was wonderful. And what he said is basically what I'm saying this morning. And he actually makes reference to Mark 12 as well. Just read you this very quick quote and then I'm going to summarise. The biggest disease today is not leprosy, tuberculosis or cancer, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, uncared for and deserted by everybody. The greatest evil is the lack of love in this world. Mother Teresa. And she had every right to say that, friends, because she loved people. She had a massive impact on the kingdom of God. She loved people. Sometimes loving people is not easy. You've got Karen here who deals with the homeless. That is not always an easy job, believe you me. But what that comes from is a heart that says, I love these people, I want to do something for them. So what are we going to do with this amazing love that I'm talking about this morning? Well, we need to respond to it. And secondly, we need to exercise faith. Because one thing I learned when I was doing this you're not going to understand everything about God. I've had it spoken to me that how could God have created the world? There's no... Friends, God didn't write a science manual 
If he did, nobody would understand it. Do you realise that? Nobody would get it. Now, there are things I don't understand and there are lots of things I don't understand about God and the way he works. But there are things I do understand and they're shown to me in his word. And his word tells me, without faith it's impossible to please him. Hebrews 11.6. So if you're struggling with all this this morning... Maybe you need to exercise some faith. Maybe you've never responded to God's love. Today's the day. Today's the day. And those of us who have responded to God's love, maybe we need to sort our self-image out. So that we by sorting our self-image out, friends, are able to love others as we are supposed to love them. It's not easy loving some people. It's not. Just being honest. Let me be a bit radical. Even in a church situation, friends, there will be people that you like more than others. Is that not true? Oh, you know, I'm just being honest here. There are people that we get on with. We spend time with socially. We enjoy their company. But that might not be the case with every single one of us in here. But whether I enjoy spending company with one of you or not, is irrelevant to the fact that God calls me to love every single one of you with an agape love. And that's the challenge for each and every one of us. Let's stand together if you're able. God's love. Maybe you're feeling tugging your spirit. That's the Holy Spirit working on you. Maybe you're feeling a little uncomfortable. Maybe one or two of you have received an encouragement this morning. God's love is for each and every one of us. If you've never responded to love, God's love before, then just pray this prayer with me. We're all going to pray it out loud. Dear God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that are wrong. I recognise that you came down to this earth as Jesus. 
You died on a cross for my sins, for my wrongdoings. And now I'm asking you to forgive me, to cleanse me, and to come into my life. Let me receive your love now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it and you've never prayed it before, then please come and have a word with me or John afterwards. What about those of you who've been kicked around this morning? Those of you feeling hurt, feeling abandoned, in a difficult situation. You know about God's love, but you're really struggling. Struggle to love other people. Just raise one hand in the air. And I want to pray for you. Just really believe that there are few people in here who need to have their self-image sorted out this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'll see that. No one else will. Thank you. Any others? Dear Jesus, I pray for these people. Recognise their need to sort their self-image out. I pray that you would minister to them today. That they would know your wonderful touch in their lives. And finally, Lord, I pray for each and every single one of us. The challenge of the agape love. That unconditional love. I really pray. Lord Jesus, that you would continue to work in our lives. Guard the unity of this church, Lord, I pray. Pray that we would all feel the responsibility. People would feel welcome when they come here. Let us love people into your kingdom, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.